You know, I, uh, I don't remember when I first started noticing bumper stickers. I know I was young. Um, uh, and I remember thinking, I saw someone with bumper stickers all over their car, and I thought, why doesn't dad do that? That's really cool. And, and then I, you know, bought a car that cost more than $200, and I understood why <laughs> he doesn't do that. So, but I, the very first bumper sticker that I ever saw, I will never forget it. This is it. Can you believe, listen, have you ever seen that one? Have you seen that one? Did you think you'd see it in church this morning? Listen, uh, I have found people who express some pretty great stuff on bumper stickers. You know, some's pretty thoughtful like this one here, you know, reality check. Uh, I, thought the, I thought this one was a pretty good one. Uh, it's interesting you put that one on your car. But have you noticed there's even some theology out there? Right? Check, right? I mean, this is not bad theology. Text if you want to meet him, right? Uh, hey, thanks for being here today. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor, especially if this is your first time with us. I really appreciate you joining us here in the room. Appreciate you joining us online as well. And to our dads, happy Father's Day, right? Did you get your gift when you came in? Yeah. We think dads are awesome. Uh, if you got your gift and a donut for everyone. So everyone has to grab one on their way out. Uh, if you didn't catch one, or even if you did, all right? I saw a bumper sticker that said, my favorite people call me dad. Oh, okay. Hey, let's go. I just, which is weird because mine call me grandpa. Uh, so what we're doing is taking several weeks to look at the church and what the Bible tell us happened when the church started, and, and actually then how that plays out in the 21st century today. And if you don't have it yet, our notes uh, and Bible verses and everything is on the Version Bible app. I want to encourage you to, to download that app, or if you've got it, go ahead and open it up, and you'll find our notes there. But it seems that there are some in our culture, it might be fair to say, many who would agree with Gandhi, who said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. By the way, that's why we have to check ourselves. When we come together like this, when we go to God on a day-to-day -day basis, we need to check ourselves to make sure that what the Bible tells us, what Jesus has said to us about who he's calling us to be as men and women of his, right, as God's children and as the church collectively, we need to check ourselves. The book of Acts, by the way, is a history of the church. It's written by Luke. And when we want to understand what God intended for us to be, even in the 21st century, we go back to this book. Now, the word that we translate church uh, in the Bible, the Greek word uh, is ekklesia, and it means the people called to assemble for a specific purpose. And at MCC, when we talk about our specific purpose, we say that we come together to be equipped so that we can love God and love people and live on mission. If you're, if you're First, if it's your first week here, if you're new here at MCC, I want to make sure you get that. That's what we are all about. Uh, and so we come together so we can be equipped to go out and do that. The early church did that and was accused, by the way, of turning the world upside down. It wasn't a compliment. I see that as a compliment today. It was not a compliment back in that day. But we want that to be true of us today. So how do we do it again? After Jesus rose from the dead, he stayed on earth long enough to validate the rumors of his resurrection and then he ascended uh, to heaven on a cloud, and his followers were watching him go back to heaven. And they had to be thinking to themselves, because there wasn't, Jesus hadn't laid it all out yet. But they had to be watching him thinking, wow, okay, uh, well, now what are we going to do, right? And all he said was, go and wait. That's all he told them to do, because God was about to build a kingdom without borders, and he would call it the church. 
Last week, we looked at the church being born and taking its first breath, the first message of the church. 3,000 people responding and being baptized, and we were off and running. And so today, we want to take a moment to see what happened next, immediately following that. So our verses follow on the heels of last week. So Acts 2.42 says, they, talking about the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I just want to make, uh, I want to stop just for a moment to make sure uh, we don't get too far into this before we pick up the first image Uh, Because I think many of us have something that we may need to undo from our childhood. Because when I was growing up, we kind of talked about this last week, but when I was growing up on a Sunday morning, we would say, hey, we're going to church, right? And just a reminder, again, said it last week, but I wanted to make sure that if you were not here, that you hear it. And if you were here last week, listen, this is worth repeating. The church is not a building. As a disciple of Jesus, I recognize that the church is People. Several weeks ago, we looked at a conversation Jesus had with the 12 uh, that's recorded in Matthew 16. And in, in that chapter, the church is mentioned for the very first time in the Bible. It's the first mention the church is going to get. Beginning in verse 13, Jesus asked his disciples who people say that he is. And then they have that conversation. They talk about that. And then he asks them, who do you say that I am? Verse 16. It's what we have people say. If you may recognize the words, it's what we have people say when they are baptized, like Dave and Leo were last Sunday, like Michelle came over and was baptized this past Wednesday. And if you haven't yet, and you're ready to make that commitment to Jesus through your baptism, then this is what we will have you repeat. And by the way, I'll be right up here after the service is over if you want to talk about that. But Peter says what? Let's say this all together out loud. Uh, Peter answered, you're the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus says in the very next verse, check this out, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my what? Church. First time it's mentioned and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. When Jesus says church, what is he talking about? On this rock, I will build a building, sort of, sort of, What kind of church is Jesus building? Hebrews 3 tells us, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, right? Those next five words, and we are his house. We're the house he's building. It's you and me. We are the church. We are the house. We need to be clear between our ears on this because God doesn't make appointments to meet people in a building. I want to make sure you catch that. It's why threads is such a big deal. It's not because we get to give clothing to people who need it. But it's because people get to meet God. They get to meet us, and through us, they meet God. It's why our food pantry, Helping Hands, listen, isn't such a big deal just so people can get food, although that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But it's because they get to meet us, and through us, they get to meet God, planting seeds. It's not just about giving household items for free to people here in our area, but so they can meet us. Our student and children's ministry here aren't a big deal just so young people can come and have a great time, which they do, or, or even hear Bible stories, which they do. It's a big deal because they meet those who are working in those areas. And through them, they get to meet God. All of our ministries are a big deal around here because people meet us. And you know why it's important for you to realize that you are the church? Because you will go places and do jobs we can't do here so people can meet God there through you. And our core activities are the same as theirs. Listen, 
to the list of the things the original church did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, you may not recognize the wording on all of those things, the terminology, but you know uh, those priorities because we do the same things here. All of those we do here. So, in the notes, I want to make sure you've got this because this is important to us. The early church was, so MCC must be devoted to the apostles' teaching. They had the apostles live and in person. When we open the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, we hear the word spoken by Jesus and uh, by those same apostles, and we're devoted to the same thing, God's truth spoken through them. We're devoted to that. The early church was, and so MCC must be devoted to fellowship. The Bible says they met in the temple courts and house to house as a large group and in smaller groups. Sounds familiar, right? We gather as a crowd like this uh, each weekend, but we also encourage people to connect in smaller groups of believers because that's where your conversations are going to happen. That's where relationships are built that shape not just our life, but our faith. So we we want you, we want you to join a smaller group than, than what's in this room. We invite you to Bible studies. We want you to have coffee out front on a Sunday morning. You know why? You might stop and talk to somebody. Somebody might stop and talk to you. You look a little bit more friendly with a cup of coffee and sometimes a donut in your hands, you know, uh, because we believe that, uh, that that's important. We believe following Jesus is easier if you build relationships along the way. Fellowship, we're devoted to it. Listen, some churches want you to be quiet when you walk into this room. I've actually had people say, hey, Mike, why don't you shush people down a little bit when they walk into this room? Do you know why we don't? We want you to talk. We want you to catch up with each other. We want you to meet new people in this room. Listen, you can worship in silence and stillness every day of the week when you're not here. But when we come together like this, while there may be moments of silence, there may be moments of stillness, we get to be together as a family reunion. Fellowship is important. The early church was, so MCC must be devoted to the breaking of bread, which means they ate together, but it's also the way they described communion, which is interesting because here we are 2,000 years later, and what's still part of our service? We still worship God uh, as we are together, a weekly reminder of Jesus' sacrifice. And this morning, in just a little bit, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I know some of you thought, oh, they forgot to give us communion this morning. We didn't forget. We didn't forget. We've got it. We're going to do it a little bit differently. The early church was, and so MCC must be devoted to prayer. In the book of Isaiah, God says to us, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And Paul reminds us in Colossians 4 that we're to be a people devoted to prayer. Our very dependence on prayer lets others know that there's something different about us because that's, that's not just something we do. We depend on this conversation with God. John Bunyan said this. It's in the notes. You can, do more than, you can do more than prayer after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than prayer before you have prayed. Peter would say the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears attentive to their prayers. Listen, that's why we have prayer boards around our room. And my hope is that you'll take time to stop the, the prayers that are on those, what, what people have going on in their lives. Man, the, the weight of those will hit you, and you'll understand why we have to go before God with these things. Uh, you know, those activities not only keep us close to God, but to each other as well. And when we're close to God, and not just on Sundays, and when we're close to each other, and not just on Sundays, that's the kind of church that God uses to change the world. And that's what the church is supposed to look like. But I think, I think over the years, and, and in our culture, we've developed some views of the church that are very different from what I just described, and in fact have the potential to be 
dangerous. So I just want to share a couple of different ways, dangerous ways that, that the church is viewed sometimes even by church people. But one image that captures how some people think of the church is a movie theater. Now, a movie theater is where you go on the weekend, usually to stay for a couple of hours, at least we did before COVID. Uh, and the purpose of going to a movie theater is to be what? entertained, right? Don't say nap, entertained. Uh, maybe a little bit inspired. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be distracted a little bit from some of the other things going on in life. But when the movie is over, what's the first thing that you do? Put on your critic hat, right? And you evaluate it. Well, the plot, boy, that was good. Or that, that, no, that was stupid. Uh, the actors, man, they were good. Or why did they have that person play that part? Was it too long? Do you give it a thumbs up? thumbs down. It's exactly how some of us have come to view the church. We think of ourselves as the audience audience when we come to be, you know, entertained, hopefully a little bit inspired. Maybe we laugh a little. Maybe we cry a little bit together. And as we walk out, we don't mean to, but subconsciously, we talk and we give the service. Hey, how about that new song Josh taught us, you know? Uh, What about that that message? This, This may surprise you, But you and I are not the reason we're gathered here today. We have an audience, and it's an audience of one. And we have lights and microphones and screens, but they're not up here so that we can put on a show to help us. But we want to create an environment to help you hear from God. We want worship to be engaging and fun. But those who are on our platform, they just walk back into this room for a moment. They'll be back out again. They're out here to lead you somewhere. They're trying to take you on a journey when we gather together. The early church wasn't just coming together for an hour to get some entertainment, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In the notes, that word devoted is an important word. It means that they committed themselves to it. It was a way of life for them. It wasn't just entertainment. It's what, it's what guides us. What's direct, it's what directs us. The Word of God is our compass. Listen, it's, it's not just coming to a place to be entertained, but we're devoting our lives to following Jesus. A.W. Tozer said this, our churches these days are filled with a soft breed of Christian that must be fed by a constant diet of harmless fun to keep them interested. And I'm thankful that I don't believe that to us. But I believe that there are churches like that that are meeting. Earlier in Acts 2, the very first sermon is preached. And, and later we see the response of the people after the sermon was preached. It says, when the people heard the sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, man, what do we do? So here's my prayer. And it's in the notes, by the way, that when we come in here, we gather together that we would ask God, Father, what is it about my life that needs to change? And then when we walk out, we don't say, how was it? But we say, God, what do I need to do differently? How, how am I different coming out than I was going in? And that's the first image uh, that can be dangerous if we're not careful, movie theater. But another image is that of a store. I know when people move into a new area, listen, you want to be part of a church that's actually making a difference, a place where your children, if you have children, can come and learn about Jesus and, and how to follow him. Uh, you want to be in a place where you sense, uh, there's a sense of mission about the place, and, and actually God is up to something, and you can be equipped to live on mission, and, and, and where I get to serve, and, and sometimes, sometimes I have to do things just because something needs done, so I step in and do it. But, I, but other times, I get to serve in this area of passion, and, and I love doing this thing, and I, and I love pouring into people's lives this way, and I get that, by the way. That's what I want, too. But we need to be careful of the 
shopper, the church shopping mentality, because it's dangerous. When we think of shopping, listen, we normally think of ourselves. Other shoppers are not valuable as human beings. They are people who are in our way getting what we want, right? And if the church shopping mentality takes over, we value the church solely for what it offers us and not for what we offer others. It's not about serving others well. You know, there's some crazy sounding expectations that God has for the church. They're radical. They sound impractical. One of them is found in the letter to the church in Philippi. Paul would write, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Now, the following verse, verse 4, by the way, we shouldn't think only of ourselves. That's, that's a little more reasonable. But verse 3 still hanging there, right? I need to consider... I need to consider your needs more important than my own, but the early church didn't see the church as a store. They didn't see themselves as consumers. Their focus was on serving and caring for others. Acts 2.44 says all the believers were together and had everything in common. Really? Everything in common? You think they had everything in common? You think they all like like the same thing? You you think they all like the same kind of food? (laughs) You think they all had the same preferences? Do you think they all like the same kind of music? It says they had everything in common. You know what that means, right? Because they were like us. We all have different preferences. But it means that they were so concerned with others and so selfless as if they all wanted the same thing because they had the thing that they had in common was Jesus as their king. And so they worked at putting others ahead of themselves and being committed to caring for one another in a community of believers. The focus wasn't on what you can do for me. The focus was on what can I do for you. That's what made the early church. Not a theater, it's not a store, it's not any other building. We are the church and we've dedicated our lives, devoted our lives for Jesus, committed to living in community and here to serve, not to be served. And I gotta tell you, that church, that church, will always be attractive to anyone who's trying to figure out who God is. The best moments we've had as a church is when we've emulated those original Christians. When someone has said, and someone did say this, we've had people say this, someone else needs my shoes more than I do. Listen, we talked about shoes for the shoeless uh, one Sunday, and there were people who came in with shoes on, and they left with no shoes because they left their shoes for other people who needed them. Or when someone says, someone else needs this aisle seat more than I do. Hmm. Huh. All right. Or someone in India or Brazil or Haiti needs this $40 a month more than I do. Or my kids are grown, but someone else's kids needs creative classrooms. That was said in 2013 when we remodeled our building. And we created some creative classroom spaces for our kids. People who no longer have children said, it's important for our children to learn in an area and a space that is creative. We want to give toward that. Or someone else needs to hear this message. So I'll take my restless child out without acting offended because I had to do that. Or someone else needs to park closer to the building, so I'll park farther away. Those are the kind of things that make a church special. But unfortunately, every church's worst moments are when someone says something like, I don't like that, so I'm going to complain. I don't need that, so I'm not going to give to make it happen. My opinion wasn't consulted on that decision, so I'm not going to support it. I'm not being asked uh, to do what I prefer, so act unenthusiastic. Or I'm the lead pastor, so I'll just do whatever I want. You know, those are the kind of uh, mentality we can't have. Uh, And hopefully, uh, we don't. 
But if we take the road less traveled and devote to ourselves to the same activities and attitudes the first church displayed, if we gather for a purpose, what's our purpose, by the way? We come to be equipped to do what? Yes, we do. All right. I heard one voice. Is the answer not on the screen? Did we not put that on the screen? Um, I appreciate you all looking at me and not the screen. But we gather for a purpose. What is that purpose? We come to be equipped to do what? And man, are we enthusiastic about it. Listen, first our lives. I just need to say. Wow, we need more donuts. Uh, Our lives will be turned upside down. And then your family is going to be turned upside down. And then your neighborhood will be turned upside down. Then our city, and then our state, and then our country. And then the world will be turned upside down by that kind of church. My world, our world, the world will be turned upside down. Listen, and on this day when we honor our dads, dads, I want to say thank you for helping us See this by the way you live your lives so that we can emulate you. Sometimes it's hard to see Jesus. It's always easy to see you. Thank you when you model your life after his so that we can follow you to him. Your life, dads, your life is the best sermon we'll ever hear, and we will always remember it. You know, one way we show our devotion to Jesus in worship each week is through our time of communion where we say again, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who gave his life for my sins, and I love him. I love him. I'm a disciple of his, and he is my king. And there have been moments this week where I have represented him well, and people have seen him clearly in my life. But if I'm honest, if I'm going to be transparent, there have been times when I have not. And I need to talk to him about that. That your image in my life was marred. People had a hard time seeing you in me. But I'm devoted to your word, and I want to follow you. And I, and I want to I do what your word says, even when our culture teaches the exact opposite. I'm devoted to speaking with you and listening for your voice in prayer. I'm devoted to this people, this community. And I am devoted to remembering you and your sacrifice for my sins through communion. And so today, because listen, we, we know it can become one more thing, but today we wanted our time of communion to be a little bit different. So when you came in, you were not handed anything, but what we will have, and you're already beginning to see is people who are stationed around our room, two up front, three in the back, two up in the balcony, uh, who will serve you communion this morning. Uh, gluten-free is straight back uh, down here on the floor and up in the balcony. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to leave the prayer open-ended, and I'm going to ask you to finish it silently where you are, and then when you finish your prayer, if you would go to one of the stations, and there, there you'll receive communion. You can take that there, okay? So why don't we pray? Father, thank you for uh, a moment where we get to remember from your word how you designed the church, and we're going to see it was not perfect, didn't always do things right just like we're not perfect and we don't always do things right. But when we are at our best, people see you in our lives. And they can be drawn to you just because we follow you. And Jesus, just because we have claimed you as the king of our life, 
people may be drawn to you because they don't meet you in a building. They meet you in a person. That's us. So help us, help us to represent you well. And Jesus, we come now because sometimes this week we've done that very well and people have seen you and we're so grateful for that. But there have been moments, there have been moments where we did not. And we need to talk to you about that. And so in this moment now, as we come back to recommit our lives to you and to bow before your throne through this act, to thank you for the forgiveness of our sins, to thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, to thank you for the the hope of eternal life, but more than all of that, to be thankful that you have called us to live a life that helps other people to see you, and you have shown us a better way to do life here. We come before you for all of that. And so, Father, we love you, and we continue our prayer 